This episode of No Quarter is sponsored by The Underground Retrocade. You love these games, and the way you want to play them is on the original cabinets. You want to see the side art, you want to feel the controls, and you want to hear Flock of Seagulls on the stereo. And you know what? So do I. That's why when I was in the Chicago area, I ran to the Underground Retrocade, 121 West Main Street, West Dundee, Illinois. I'm Mike McGinnis. And I'm Carrington Vanston. And you're listening to the No Quarter Podcast. Well done, you. Good choice in podcasts. We appreciate your taste in podcast listening. So it's just the two of us this time, Mike? You don't have a surprise extra guest to throw at me? Well, if I told you, then it wouldn't be a surprise, now oh, would it, Carrington? <laughs> this is true, but that was a really fun... I don't know if the listeners really realized, but when I sounded surprised at the beginning to hear Rob, it's because I was surprised to hear Rob. <laughs> I didn't know he was joining us. Mike and Rob had snuck around ninja style. So the first I heard about it was when he said, I'm, I'm Rob, and that's awesome. Yeah, yeah, we thought it would be fun to play a little trick on you. It was excellent. I appreciated it very much, and lots of good feedback from that show. Everyone seemed to like having Rob on, so thank you for joining us, Rob. Thank you, Rob. Oh, you know what? Speaking of Rob, we might as well just jump to this. We're giving away a copy of his book. We are. Yep. Yeah, you can't give away those books. Well, it turns out you can. <laughs> We're going to. <laughs> we, we lamented a few shows ago that we had attempted to give away a little mini arcade thing for one of the contests we held mm -hmm. and that never seemed to arrived. And that fellow in the UK is just ducking everybody and who knows what's going on there. So Rob stepped up and volunteered to give us a copy of his book on collecting. He literally wrote the book on collecting arcade cabinets. So he's going to contribute that so he can send that off to our former winner. Well, I think that one was vintage vaults. Is that correct? I can't remember who won that been a long time. So anyway, if it was you or whoever, then you'll be getting a copy of that to tide you over in the meantime while we still try to track down this uh, mini arcade. And we'll also try to figure out who won the contest. So if you actually get the book and you didn't win, we appreciate you forwarding <laughs> it on to whoever did. Yes. No, we're going to give away a copy of uh, Rob's book to every listener. Rob, start giving us the books. That'll be rather expensive. <laughs> For Rob. Oh, well, on that, in that case, sure, no problem. <laughs> It's actually a really good book, too, because I read it and I liked it. And you mentioned Rob and giving things away. And I did. Do you have a segue for that? He and I attended uh, the screening of the Space Invaders last weekend as part mm -hmm. of the Kong Off 3 that he was out here for. While we were there, we met the director, Jeff Von Ward, and we chatted with him for a while after because there were only four of us in the theater, including Rob and myself. And I bought the DVD because I felt bad for pirating it. And mm -hmm. I bought a, a T-shirt. And I bought a poster, and I'm going to hold on to the DVD, and I think we've, we've already given one of those away anyway. But I'm going to give away either the T-shirt or the poster in an upcoming show, so... Very nice. New contest coming. I'm going to give away nothing, because I am very selfish. In fact, I'm going to enter the contest, because I would like to win that poster. So we have news, we have feedback, we've got rhythm, we've got music. <laughs> which, do you want to, which do you want to tackle first? Well, it's really up to you, Carrington. I no longer see most of the feedback. Well, then I will talk about news. <laughs> because I'm no longer on Facebook. Oh, those court orders. They just, just keep you away. <laughs> taking a mandatory break. <laughs> <laughs> 
So in news, there is a uh, Kickstarter. Oh, Kickstarter. I have a love, uh, hate, mostly hate. We really kind have to of talk hate. about Kickstarter again. Well, there's a kind of cool Kickstarter. All right. Make it quick. A universal arcade joystick adapter plate. That sounds cool. Ha! See? There's lots of different joysticks out there. And if you're looking to build your own cabinet, people, you know, you go back and forth. Do I want a Sanwa? Do I want a Hap? Etc. And they don't all fit into the different mountings. And this is a single plate that uh, will mesh up with all of the various big brands out there. So it makes it relatively easy to swap between different things. I think he's asking 15 bucks or something like that. So it's not outrageous. It had a really low goal of like $1,000 to get to get funded. So it, it is going to be funded and it looked kind of cool. So I just want to throw it out there for people that are interested in those sorts of developments. And we'll have a link in the show notes. So there. Um, Reddit. Oh, Reddit. <laughs> I like Reddit because when I'm bored, Reddit will bring me the internet and say, here, here are some interesting things. In a really, really ugly interface. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Yes. So Reddit brought me the idea of the world's biggest Pac-Man. A fellow uh, posted on there an image of a Pac-Man game being projected onto London's Millennium Mills building and claimed it was officially the world's biggest game. And it's really cool because it shows this massive building with a very, very bright projector. And across the Thames, there was the controller and you could step up and you could play Pac-Man on this massive building. So 10 minutes later, of course, people step up and start picking that whole idea apart. And someone says, that's not the biggest game. This is the biggest game. And in Philadelphia, there was a full skyscraper, I guess, sized game played earlier and that is supposedly the world's largest video game other than five minutes after that somebody on reddit says nope years ago somebody hooked up mame running vector games through a project called laser mame and actually displayed it in the sky on clouds and said that it's larger than buildings and that's officially the biggest game so uh people are still arguing this out who knows what the largest game really is, but all three of these were very interesting projects. So if you want to see a really big Pac-Man or really big games on Philadelphia Skyscraper or vector games played in space, then I'll have links to all three of those in our show notes because they're all kind of cool. Oh, and health. That was the other bit of news. Health. I'm enjoying Vect, Vember, no Vector, whatever this month we're calling, month of Vector games. And when I was looking into Warrior for last week and trying to come up with links and come up with background and, you know, doing that research thing that I don't really do that much of, I came across something that was compiled back in 2008. And it's at the uh, Georgia Tech School of Literature and Communication. And a fellow named Joshua, probably pronounced Cuneo or maybe Cuneo. So anyway, he wrote what seems to be maybe background for a dissertation on health in games. Like, you know, when you're playing games, you get health bars or a number of extra men or that kind of thing. And it's very, very specific. So think of it as a, a very detailed, very large blog where every blog post is about a particular game and only looks at the aspects of those games to do with your character's health and how does how does the game keep track of health and there's tons of examples from the 80s and earlier and later in fact the earliest game in this is a game called tennis for two which is an oscilloscope game from 1958 and it deals with games from the 60s 70s 80s and into modern times it's 
bizarre and fascinating and it's a really interesting little rabbit hole and what i liked was that it was so focused most blogs about games describe the games in more general terms and this is something that specifically looks at one particular tiny element of each game and i liked it so hooray for the internet yeah that's very cool my Hmm. initial impulse is poke fun at him but really that sort of myopic focus on a, on a detail like that to me is fascinating because I agree. You know, I, I sit and think about the kind of things that I tend to focus on, and, and I'm sure people look at me and go, "What a weirdo!" But <laughs> well, I've I've been researching Apple manufacturing statistics and processes that they used in the 80s for the pre-Macintosh computers, and it's been a very interesting trip down a, a very weird and wild rabbit hole. I'll just say that feedback. Julie wrote in to say that she loves the show, this long-time listener, first-time writer in her, as she puts it, wanted to tell us that we should have, we failed to mention that Warrior was ported to the Vectrex. We have spoken about the Vectrex before. And Mm -hmm. our... Wasn't this the game that started on the Vectrex? Or is that... No, that was something else. Is my memory just scrambling up all these games now? (laughs) It's scrambled. You have scrambled your brain. Because this was ported to the Vectrex in 2012. Oh, (laughs) Does that really count then? <laughs> <laughs> it does count. So I think it's I think it's awesome. I love Yeah, me too. That's that's neat. When people make new things for retro systems and the Vectrex is totally, totally sweet. Uh they made I think 150 copies of it, sold for $65, totally sold out now, alas. But really cool. So it was actually ported to the Vectrex and much later than one would think. And so she sent us a link, a couple of links actually, and we will have links to those in the show notes. Speaking of things that we missed, because I'm so good at transitions here in segways. Let us speak of those misses. I was actually reading more about Warrior this week, because it's such a weird and wild history. Not only the game itself, but the company's Vector Beam mm-hmm. and Cinematronics. But One of the most interesting company backgrounds of any game we've discussed so absolutely, far. Absolutely, yeah. Definitely worth reading if, and studying if you're into that sort of thing. But did you know that the Warrior cabinet weighed 280 pounds, Carrington? That's a lot, and I did not know that. Because I, I think most cabinets weigh in the like 150 to 200, and the, the earlier games often weighed less, unless they had to put that big chunk of concrete at the bottom so they wouldn't tip over. Apparently, that's one of the things that this game is known for, and I, I don't know why. Maybe it was just the material that was made from. I'm not, I'm not really sure. It was made out of heaviness. Awesome is heavy, I guess. <laughs> awesome is heavy, man. As I said, I was reading through the history of Cinematronics, the text file that Mike'sArcade.com has up on their webpage talking about all this stuff, and I came across an interesting detail about how the display works. Did you know, Carrington, Did. that the Warrior display system actually used black light shined on cardboard cutouts to produce some of that weird effect that you see when you play the game? Remember a couple of seconds ago when I said I did? It turns out I was wrong. I didn't. <laughs> this is news to me. I knew it used blacklight because the that glow you get, but I had no idea that that was on to bits of cardboard with, I guess, uh, reflective paint or something on them. This is the layout of the cabinet combined with a blacklight shining on numerous cardboard cutouts made for an incredible playfield. They're like little color forms. Yeah, very strange. And I, I don't know a lot about the design of arcade cabinets, the actual cabinet portion of it, at least not on that level. So I don't know if a lot of games use this cardboard blacklight technology, but it's not something I'd stumbled across before and seemed kind of interesting. I don't know art, but I know what I like. And I know that art likes this game. (laughs) And I like this week's game. I like this week's game too. And this week's game is disappointing because (laughs) 
I like it. It's disappointing. <laughs> I just want our listeners to brace for the disappointment that's coming when we discuss scores later on. Ah. And everybody will be sad to learn that Mike has no. kicked my butt this week. <laughs> We're going to have a celebration. I was trash talking and I failed miserably. A happy moment. So, uh, Tax Scan, 1982 game by Sega Gremlin, I think. Am I correct in that? It's a Sega game? You are. Ooh. And in fact, this is the final Sega vector game. Ooh, they said, that's it. No more of these games that don't work for more than two weeks. Probably exactly the reason that they decided not to make make any more following this one. It is a good game, though. I, I have enjoyed playing it this week very much. I like it, and I can't figure out why. I'm with you on that completely. Weird sound, kind of weird gameplay. I don't know why this game has hooked me so much. Oh, and also, I guess I should recommend it, or I should point out that I think this was recommended to us by Rob last week. I think it was he who actually ended up picking the game for us. Yeah, so if you don't like this game, you can send Rob all your hate mail. <laughs> it's Rob's fault. So the game has was a vector game, so hooray for that. And it's a color vector game. I like that. It's a, it's a shmup. It's a shoot 'em up game. You are playing. Uh, Never ever say that word again. <laughs> I'm shmup, 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 shmup. No, shmup, no, shmup, stop. I hate shmup, that. Shmup, shoot shmup, 'em up. Shmup, shmup, shmup. I'm hanging up on you. You're fired. <laughs> Woohoo! Finally, <laughs> I knew. I knew I'd finally find a way. <laughs> So you are in a little spaceship and you are joined by up to six other little spaceships. So you're going to fly in tactical formation. That's the, the big deal about this game. You battle through three different stages. There's a vertical stage, very typical sort of, you know, you're flying up, enemies are flying down, then sort of shifts and suddenly you're in a 3D version and you're behind your ships and instead you're kind of flying forward. And then it goes into a tunnel stage where there's no more enemies, but you got to fly through a tunnel and not try to hit the sides. And then it repeats. So I like the variety here. I like this whole business of the fact that you have multiple ships and you can kind of pick how many ships you play at once. It's a weird sort of mechanic. Very strange. I, I found that uh, it felt... I don't know, kind of like a, not specifically like a real-time strategy game, but you're sort of managing your ships as resources because you can call them in, and sometimes it's better to call them in than other times. I found that having all those extra ships was a good way to get killed because I stopped paying attention to how many ships I had until I got into an area where there was heavy fire coming in, and then I was completely wiped out. Whereas if it was just one ship at the bottom of the screen, like in Gallagher or something, I'm a lot more cautious about moving into enemy fire. To But life is cheap in Taxcan. <laughs> <laughs> it certainly is. So yeah, you, you start out, as you said, in a vertical shoot 'em up formation where you're at the bottom of the screen. You don't actually move up and down the star field behind you scrolls to make it look like you're moving forward. You control it with a spinner to move left and right. You have the fire button. The fire mechanic is also very interesting because you only can have one volley of shots on the screen at a time, but instead of like with... Well, pretty much every other game out there where you can't shoot again until your shot has either hit something or gone off the top of the screen. This one, as soon as you fire again, the previous shot disappears. Which makes no sense at all. For me, that's Gorf firing. Gorf is sort of famous for that as well. So you can fire and as soon as you fire again, your existing shot goes away for some weird reason and you, you shoot again. So if you fire really rapidly, all you end up with is a whole, whole bunch of shots just right in front of you with no range. As you're moving back and forth, the shots move with you. So if you 
fire and you're facing to the right, the shots will drift up the screen diagonally to the right. And if you turn the spinner to the left, the volley will then sweep to the left. And it's nice because your shots don't stop with one enemy. So if you let the shot go, you can sort of steer it through a bunch of incoming enemies at once. Mm -hmm. I had a hard time with that because you have to be you have to learn some patience and let the shot do its damage before you fire another one. So instead of the pew, 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 it's more of a pew, pew, pew sort of a thing. <laughs> yes, it is. That is the correct version of the pew. So I like how you've got this formation on the bottom, but the formation changes. And, it, and it's kind of hard to describe. But like Mike was saying, as you various members of your formation are picked off by the enemy, you start off with seven, and let's say you're down to three, you can summon other guys from your reserve to load them into the formation and every time you hit 20,000 points if you have any empty spots if you've got any men that have been killed then a, a new pair of ships will become available and they'll come down the screen and then you can catch them to add them either into your formation currently or into your reserve the key is though so you you can sort of manage these resources you can decide oh, oh i'm in a really heavy battle i'm gonna just have fewer men because they're going to get really picked off or what have you but if at any point all the men on screen are killed then the game is over even if you have guys in reserve so it's also important to make sure that you you're bringing people out so you don't get into a time where suddenly you're killed and you're wasting some guys i only really came to understand how you get these men and add them into your reserve about a half an hour before we're recording <laughs> so <laughs> this also hurt my score this time like i knew i could bring the men out of reserve once i finally figured out there was a second button that's the downside of not playing on a real machine i was like oh look another button gives me more men that's cool but i could never really understand that there's a way to put these extra characters into reserve rather than adding them to your formation like when you're flying around in formation and you've lost some guys there's these little ghost spots that mark where a guy could be and when a new man comes down you can maneuver your formation so that guy lands in that spot and he gets added to current play. And I thought that was the only way to get new men. I didn't realize that instead you've got the, the primary one of your ships, which is in the middle and has a little bit of red added to the blue. That's the main fellow. And if the new ships come down and touch the main guy, then instead of being added to the formation right now, they go into that reserve. And that was the mechanic I did not understand. And that is the reason I lost this week. <laughs> I'm going to yeah, say that's the reason that's totally the reason <laughs> but I, I look forward to playing the game again now that I know more about how you're supposed to play I really should have read up about this game earlier but it's fun and I and I didn't I didn't realize I was missing a bunch of the mechanic it's subtle enough that it never really occurred to me that I wasn't playing it correctly there, there are some some holes in the list of things that I like about this game and that's sort of one of them. You're left to figure a lot of this out on your own. You have the three levels that you described, and that's the game. Mm. You just cycle through these levels. There's nothing else until you die. There's no, there's no end game. It just gets harder and faster. And eventually, I assume that you know you couldn't make it any further, Carrington. Obviously, I did because I beat you. <laughs> but I did get through all three levels. Like it's relatively easy, even on an initial play, to see all three levels like they get past the tunnel and to start again like it's not the kind of game that you'll have to put a ton of effort in to see everything it has to offer so it's more about once you have cycled through the three levels just seeing okay now can i get good enough to have a longer game or good enough to make a new high score 
And part of that maybe is is what I, I wish that had been a little bit different because you don't spend a lot of time in any one of these levels. I mean, they all go by in maybe mm-hmm. a minute or two at the most. I think maybe the game would have benefited more by having the segments last longer and make you work harder to get to the next segment because you just it feels like you're just sort of flipping through cards or something. As I was playing it, I was reminded a lot of that really boring, stupid Buck Rogers game, also oh, by Sega. So that bad. We talked about. Yeah, the second se- the second stage of this one is kind of similar to that game. Right. They call it the 3D level. Basically, it's an over-the-shoulder view where you're flying into the screen and and the same types of ships that you faced in the first round or phase are now flying at you on a more on a more horizontal field and it makes it a lot for me that was far and away the hardest part of this game 100 percent. that's the level where i would always get killed first level is is relatively easy compared to that one and the tunnel level there's no enemies so as long as you can aim it's easy it's that second level is the killer and because these ships, when you destroy them in that level, don't just explode, they, they sort of break apart and their pieces come floating at you. Mm-hmm. It's, it can be very confusing to see where the shots are coming from. And I found in many games, it was easy. I would go in there with eight or nine ships in my reserve and get picked off immediately. Right. It was tough, and I, I didn't hate that part. But like I said, I, I wish that each section kind of felt really short to me. And maybe maybe that was part of... Actually, why it was better than Buck Rogers, because it kept you flipping from one to the next to the next. Because, like you said, the third section, which if you guys have ever seen the movie Aliens, and there's that scene where they're, they're flying the dropship down to, to LV-426. Was that the... I'm going to say yes. The pilot is looking at the dis- display because it's far too foggy for her to do it by eyesight. And she's basically flying through this wireframe tunnel that comes at her and it moves up and down and left and right. This isn't nearly as difficult, of course, because you only have to worry about moving left and right. The game takes care of moving up and down mm-hmm. because your spinner obviously won't move you up or down. And you fly through that. I never, ever, ever crashed in that. And so that was just like a, a little break, I guess, between the two levels where there was actually a challenge. Yeah, the only thing that would happen to me in the tunnel is if I had a full formation and it was nice and wide, sometimes the guys on the end would touch the side of the tunnel and they would be blown away. But for the most part, your guys in the middle are pretty safe during that that level I found. One thing that I noticed and forgot to research before we talked about this was I, because like you said, different playing it at home on main than with a real cabinet, I never found out what could make make your formation change from like a V-shape to a straight column. And yet it does change and it would always confuse me. It's so it just happened because yes, at some points, you know, so you start usually in like a sort of a loose V formation at the bottom of the screen on the first one and it spreads out to a different V and there's a, there's a vertical column that happens and, and a couple of others. And I couldn't find any rhyme or reason as to how that happens. It just seemed to change sometimes. Well, I couldn't find any reason to it either, but I could find lots of rhymes for how, like cow and bow. Yeah, so lots of, I could find lots of rhymes for now and how, but I couldn't find any reason for it. No, it didn't even seem to always be the same time. Like it was kind of at the beginning of some stages you'd start and there'd be a a bit more of a line, but I I don't think it was anything I was doing. It just seemed to be like, now it's time for everyone to line up for some reason. Like, oh, okay. Odd. Very odd. I like the game though. It's very simple. There's not a lot to it once you figure out. Mm -hmm. Uh, what you're doing, and you just sort of lather, rinse, repeat until it gets so hard that you can't get any further. So there's not a whole lot more to talk about there. I did find that I enjoyed the repetition, whereas in some other games I don't, and maybe that's because 
Uh, there's no hopping back to a beginning of a level and having to repeat that. Even when you're flying through the tunnel, it's still kind of a fast pace that they keep up. And I enjoyed it a lot. Now that you say that, I realize it kind of is like you're getting one man because there is no point where you stop and start again like you you just keep losing men through attrition and keep throwing more men in from your reserve until suddenly you have no men on screen there isn't a point where you say okay we're you've been hit so let's stop and take a moment and start at the beginning of the stage no it's one continuous never stopping game until you lose so that's cool and very different i, I like the the variety of being able to add men in and you lose them and i like that it did cycle through the three stages so it, while the games are fast we should talk about the sound a bit because i didn't like the sound i don't know what's going on with the sound but for the most part i was really enjoying the gameplay itself and it was fast and it was a little frantic and it was fun and i was super digging it there is a a, a bit of a story that sega tells you if you bother to read the game flyer Basically, you're flying into enemy space and destroying stuff, and that's really that's really all there is to <laughs> Good it. Good story, mean, Sega. Thank you for telling me. They didn't waste a lot of time on that. In this case, it, it really worked. Sometimes you, you need the story or you're lost. In this one, you basically have enemies flying at you, and they're shooting at you, and you have to shoot back and destroy more of them than they destroy of you. Mm-hmm. But I see on the flyer here, now that you mentioned I've, I've opened up, it says the Taxgan Squadron takes on an evil galactic empire in a fast-paced adventure unlike any experienced before. More than 1,300 realistic space sound variations and unique spiraling, twirling perspective keeps the players in the fleet commander's seat. Um, two things about that. First of all, they spelled spiraling wrong. It should be two L's. And second, what do you mean 1,300 realistic space sound variations i don't think so and if they're in space it isn't really sound is it <laughs> this is true maybe 1300 versions of silence now maybe this is an example of mame getting it wrong like i've never played this game in an actual arcade but in the version that i have and in the videos i've looked at online there's just this kind of weird whistling noise that plays throughout the whole game and i kind of found that annoying yeah me too i in fact <laughs> i blame you for this carrington <laughs> I didn't notice it until you complained about it in an email, and then it wouldn't go away. And it got really, really, really annoying. <laughs> it is annoying, though. And I get that. I th I think it's supposed to be the sound of your thrusters because it changes when you change orientation. Like when your guys go from the, the first level where you're facing upward, and then they switch to that. They kind of dive into this forward-facing view for the second level, the 3D level. And the sound, the weird whistling, gets louder and then softens again as they make that maneuver change. So I guess it's supposed to be your jets. But holy cow, it's really monotonous. When I play an arcade game like this, I expect a lot of the bass and the explosions and a lot of variation. There wasn't any bass, at least on the home version of it. And in MAME, a lot of the games that I do play in MAME have that bass sound. Uh, as you're blowing stuff up and shooting. And so everything came across as this really tinny and and more like pew, 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 and, <laughs> and actual laser stuff. And I, I could have done without most of that sound. You but know? who knows how it sounds like on a real cabinet? Like, have you ever actually played this in an arcade? They did not have this at the 1UP. At least they didn't have it out any of the times that I went this past mm -hmm. week. Uh, it may have been over at the 2UP. They may have had it in storage. I'm not sure. Yeah, I've never played it as well. I think it was ported to a couple of other things as well, but I, I never played it in a port. It was ported to the Atari 2600 and the PlayStation 2, and that's it. There weren't any other ports. And I don't know if that's just because this came out at a time when 
vector games were falling out of favor. Mm-hmm. Nobody wanted to play it. And games in general, crashy, crash a lot. Yeah, maybe so. Yeah. Uh, I'm not sure. But uh, yeah, it didn't get ported. And so it doesn't really surprise me that casual gamers like you and I haven't really had a lot of experience. The Atari 2600 version, which I never played, but which I read about, is very poorly reviewed. <laughs> and, wow. uh, I guess because it was really stripped down. It really is only the first level of this. So it's the three level version is repetitious. Imagine it was just the first level forever and just the one enemy as well. But what was interesting about it is it uses the paddle controller, but strangely, you plug it into the right port controller rather than the left. So it's an example of kind of making a strange choice there. I bet if I got this game, I'd be plugging in my paddles and thinking they don't work at all. So very strange. That's really all I know about these ports. Taxcan features the Sega G80 conversion system, which I assume that you will talk about when we get to the cabinets. I assume that too. But in the meantime, it does feature a Z80 at 4 megahertz and a second CPU, the Intel i. 8035 at 6 megahertz. And Carrington, why don't you give all those good people out there the details on the cabinet? Nope. Turns out we were wrong to assume I would. <laughs> no, Excellent. it's actually my first note about the cabinet. It says super old school vintage wood grain hotness. <laughs> so that <laughs> that is how I describe the cabinet to myself. I'm going to have that tattooed on my arm. Because even though it comes from 83, it's from that line of the Sega games, this thing called convert a game. And the convert a game system really tried to focus on that you pick up one game of this vector line and then you could later for a lot less money than getting a new game, you could convert your game over to something else. This idea that you'd know maximize your investment as an arcade operator. So the the cabinet's kind of stuck with a really old school kind of look with the wood grain on the front. And I really dig it. It's super 70s, even though it comes from 83. So as far <laughs> as I can tell, only a standard upright cabinet was made. But a lot of places online talk about a cocktail version existing. But I think that's only because a cocktail version appears in some flyers, but I don't think it was actually made. So if I'm wrong about that, and people own this, and I don't know what I'm talking about, it'll be a very familiar feeling, and people should just write in and correct me. But until I hear from you, dear listeners, I am going to say there was no cocktail version. I'm out on that limb. I say it doesn't exist, even if it's in the flyers. So the marquee has this blue to red gradient and the big words tax scan, and it looks totally Transformers. And I really don't know timing-wise, because to be honest, I was never really into Transformers. I know everybody else was, but not me. But when you look You're at fired. the Tax Scan logo, ah, fire away. <laughs> to me, it's like right out of Transformers. So I don't know if Transformers predated this or the ripping off or whatever, but it is super Transformer-y. The control panel is gray and silver color. And what's funny is it has a whole bunch of fake dials and readouts on it. <laughs> so there's only the, there's the actual buttons you use and then just the graphics pretending there's a whole bunch of more things. <laughs> I kind of find that funny. So there's the spinner, and then there's two buttons. Well, technically, there's four buttons, two on each side, a red button and a yellow button. The red button is fire, and the yellow button is for add a ship. Like we talked about the mechanic of being able to pull ships out of reserve. If I had been playing on a real cabinet, I think I would have realized there was a second button way before I did. So that adds a lot to the game when you realize there's another button. One thing I found interesting about the cabinets was the buttons are mirror images. So on the left side... It's fire on the left and add a ship on the right. But on the right side, it's the reverse. So it's fire a ship, 
uh, or add a ship on the left and fire on the right. So the fire is always on the outside. So it's kind of in both cases, you're going to use your index finger for adding ships, but it's your middle finger is going to be the fire button. So it's an odd sort of mechanic. And it's interesting that they do the flipping of the buttons, which usually you don't see when you have buttons on either side of something. And it's got the, like I said, the spinner in the middle. So anyway, inside it, we've got the Electrohome G08XY monitor, which is a 19-inch color monitor, which is, the quote says, notoriously unreliable. Not just regular <laughs> unreliable, but like unreliable in a way that most operators or people that collect this say it's really important to have a fire extinguisher nearby if you own oh, this wow. game. Because <laughs> it like, is a crazily unreliable monitor. And I found that charming. And I guess the only other thing to mention is that, like I said, it's part of this converted game system. So the flyer, which I still open, up and open on my screen, says that this is Sega's newest convert-a-game. TaxScan is a Sega Color XY converted game it can update any space fury eliminator or zector upright game for less than half the cost of a new game like a lot of the flyer info a lot of the promotional material is all about saving cost and how you'll maximize your your value with the game so that clearly was the focus so the idea here is they try to make it so that a regular operator without doing a whole bunch of rewiring can swap in a new game Lots of earlier games and earlier cabs were convertible from something to another, but this convert a game thing was really trying to make it as easy as possible for a relatively non-technical user to convert them. So at the front of the cabinet, the coin box is right down at the bottom, and the sec- there's a second key, though, just below the control panel, and that opens up the front because you can actually do this, this conversion entirely from the front of the cabinet unless you're converting between games that you where you have to rotate the monitor because some of the converted games you did have to rotate from horizontal to, to vertical or vice versa this has five boards but all the game pcbs are located in a card cage so it's really easy to pull out and then swap them and slide it back in so there's like a cpu card a soundboard and two for the xy like one for controlling one for timing and i think an eprom board or something so the idea was the operator can just use a key flip down the front, pull out a card cage, slide in a different one, and you've got a brand new game. So uh, I think that was the big part of the push here. There's a a Sega Gremlin XY FAC all about this notoriously unreliable monitor. And it seems that that's the thing you have to focus on. Everything else, because the boards were designed to be removed and changed. There's a security chip, but that got hacked ages ago. So there's lots of parts and, and lots of easy serviceability for everything except this monitor. But if you are interested in grabbing one of these these machines, although they're pretty hard to find because for the most part they blow up, this fact by Mark Jennison seems like a good thing to have because it covers this game and all the other Sega XY games and has lots of repair tips and info about how to do these conversions and exactly what, what parts you need to swap between the different games. And So I'll make sure we have a link to that in the show notes. Couldn't find any pricing for this because for the most part, as far as I can tell, if you just see one, it bursts into flames. So it's difficult <laughs> to get through an auction with one of these. So I have no idea what you should budget to collect one of these dangerous little little goodies. It's not like you need the cabinet to, to enjoy this game. I want to play it on a cabinet, though, because I want to hear if it sounds different. Because the sound is weird on this. Yeah, but that's you wanting to compare the sounds. That's not, that's not a special controller on the cabinet or something. But I like to live dangerously. Like, I have my two games now and put one in the middle that could at any time just blow up. That's that's the kind of lifestyle I'm looking for, Mike. You're a dangerous man, Carrington, <laughs> and dangerous. I respect the hell out of that. <laughs> I would hope so.
So I like it though. I, I dig this game. It's it's mechanics are a little different than anything we've played so far. I love a vector game anyway. I'm not big on the sound, but I like the control. I and I particularly like this little bit about how your informations that kind of change, and you get to play that resource management of how many ships do I want to have out at once, how many do I have in reserve, and add them in throughout the game to try to last as long as possible. And, and I dig it. It really sets it apart from other games. I, I had a good time. Like I said, I, I'm not really sure why, other than the stuff that you mentioned there and the fact that it's continuous gameplay there's no stopping and Mm -hmm. and starting over and waiting for the next life to come on or anything it's you're flying these ships until they're all dead on the screen at the same time at which point your quarter is gone but your quarter clearly lasted longer than my quarter it did last a bit longer (sighs) than yours carrington so i tried to talk smack when i think i'm doing good at a game dear listener i will poke and prod at mike (laughs) But only when you think you're doing better than me. Absolutely. When I'm silent on Twitter, it's because I'm not doing well. But (laughs) when I think I'm doing well, and I think I have a chance to have the best day, then I come out and I start trash talking and I send screenshots and I I try to bug. Like, so... Usually it works out pretty well for you. I guess. This time, not this so time, much. Not so much. And the funniest part was, it was, I think, in a in a text or something, I put you saying, ah, look at me, I just I just passed 30K or something. And then, mm-hmm. yeah, it turns out you had already beaten me. And I couldn't, I could never catch a stinking score. So. Well, no, it actually got pretty, it got pretty uh, heated there at the end. You posted that 30K score, and I had 55,500 at that point. And then tonight, like, I don't know, an hour or two before we started recording, Recording, you posted 59,000? Yes, 59,900 is my highest score, but you already had a screenshot that showed an even higher score. You have beat me, but no, no, the, you beat okay, me so even the, more, I think. Well, the 110,100 point score was me cheating. Oh. Well, I do that because I want to see what's further into the game. Sometimes a lot of these games have neat stuff further on that, that I'm too crappy to get to through normal gameplay, but I want to talk about it when we record, so I'll enable the cheats to get there, and that's that's what that one was. I'm really not I, sure how to enable the cheats. I guess it's better that I don't know how, but I, every once in a while people will say you can cheat in these games, but I'm like, I don't know how that... I don't really understand MAME that well, to be honest. Carrington would have millions and millions of points every week. Ooh, I like it. Millions and millions of points. I think, see, I think I'm too weak to resist that. If I put that in, it would ruin the game for me. Yeah. I think it's better that I don't do that, though, because you so many of these games, they're like quarter pushes or whatever. Like, if I had a cheat thing when we were playing, say, Ghost and Goblins, I would have absolutely enabled cheating because it's too darn hard. I would have blown through the whole game, and then the game would be kind of dead to me. There'd be no more fun or challenge to it. So, And I've done that enough in the past that that I guess I've I've learned that that it's better to I have a better time when I don't do that. Right. It's just because then it's just boring. But when we're talking about these games and many of most all of our listeners are better than we are at these. Yeah. At least I found it, that it's beneficial to at least have some sort of knowledge base about stuff further into the game. Otherwise, people are like, well, why did you talk about this? Well, because I suck and couldn't get there. <laughs> That's true. So the 110,100 was me cheating to see if there was anything else. There isn't. It's just the right. same three levels. But you did so, beat my 59,900, didn't you? Yeah, I sort of panicked when I saw that. I was like, oh, Lord. And then I ran. And fortunately, I had a couple of really good games. Ah. And so my final score, dun da 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 was uh, 74,300 points. With trumpets. Nice. I did find, for some reason, my main setup is, is set to use the save states. So when you exit the game and go back to your desktop and... and and you come back in later, it's supposed to, the machine is supposed to basically have been on pause until you get back into it. 
uh, and all your scores are there, and, and you pick up where you, wherever you left off. For whatever reason, that didn't work with TaxCan. So when oh. I left and came back into the game, everything had been wiped out. And, and so I was fortunate to be able to take a picture of this so I could shove it in your face, Carrington. <laughs> my my eat, main eat setup it, taste is... taste it. Delicious. <laughs> yum, 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 yum. It is delicious. My main setup is not set to save state. So for me, it's a fresh new game every time. I see. Yep. Yeah. Well, yeah, I had a great time. Um, mm-hmm. There's there's a lot to like about this game. And like you said, once you pointed out the annoying sounds and it wouldn't go away and I began <laughs> to hate them and resent you for pointing it out to me. But I think since all these flyers talk about this amazing variety of space sounds, I bet you this thing sounds different in real life. I, I want to hear it on a real cab. If somebody has this game at their local arcade, tell us what it really sounds like. Meanwhile, speaking of sounds. Well, we have one more week in Vect. Tremor? No, <laughs> sure, Vector Tremor. I like whatever. it. <laughs> whatever. We have one more Vector game that we're, gonna, that we're playing. And now, obviously, we're going to continue playing Vector games in the future, but... Nope, Vector games are now dead to us. <laughs> That's right. All About Vector Month is, is coming to an end for, for the No Quarter Podcast, and we're going to wrap it up with this game right here. So I think that brings us to the end of the show. Oh. Yeah. For, oh, I had one other thing that I wanted to ask you Yay. and all the listeners. <laughs> what, what is that? Well, actually, I care more about what they think than just being <laughs> polite, and I'm going to ignore your response. One of the things that I did when I was at the one-up, both for the Kong-Off and, again, this week, was I just kind of walked around and recorded some of the ambient sounds that were going on there. Ooh. And so I thought maybe I would clean those up and post them if anyone was interested to hear what the one-up sounds like. I'm very interested. Maybe we could even start to use some of that as our, our intro and outro arcade sounds. There's some stuff that I have to edit out, you know, when people... Swearing. I, lots of swearing. I was there with people, and so when they came up to talk to me, then that's in there. And Screamy Drunk Girl was there a couple of times, and so that's got to go. But yeah, I'll clean that up and post them. Super cool. That would be very interesting. I liked your photos that you posted on Facebook. There was lots of nice photos. Yeah, you know what, though? The Twin Galaxies, the one-up, their pictures are much better than mine, so check those out instead. No, I won't. Oh, and speaking of Twin Galaxies, I didn't announce a high score this for this game this week because Twin Galaxies' webpage is down at the moment. I guess they're doing some maintenance on it as we record this, and I can't find a high score for this anywhere else. Well, then I would think world high score would be Mike McGinnis, 74,300. World high score. Well done, you. That's right. And this game is now retired. No one can ever play it again. Absolutely. I like it. <laughs> no, seriously, check it out. It's a great game. Mm-hmm. In the meantime, we'll be playing next week's game, and we'll see you later. Sounds great. Bye, everybody. Bye. Whee! <laughs> You've been listening to No Quarter, the classic arcade podcast. Feedback can be sent to noquarter at monsterfeet.com. And like all Monster Feet podcasts, the original material in this show has been released to the public domain. Monster Feet.